This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. What does it mean to be a member of a church? And I'm not talking about church membership. That's a different conversation. When we talk about formal church membership, which we're going to talk about at some point this year. We're thinking about what that means. I'm not talking about formal church membership. I am talking about what it means for you and me to be a part of and a meaningful member of this local church. What does that mean? How do we think about that when we think about our All In series? We're in this series called All In. We, we jump off um, every January into a vision series. What, what is our church about? Where are we going? What are we doing? How are we thinking about this church and life? And what does that look like? And so Tyler last week talked about our mission and our values. This morning we're going to be talking about what it means to be a meaningful part of this church, a member of the body. We're going to spend some time next week talking about what does it mean that we take the Lord's Supper every week? What are we doing? Why do we do that? We're going to talk about baptism. We're going to talk about prayer. So we have, we have this series this month. Where we're going to be talking about, I think, just filling up um, the parts of us that we just want to make sure are full um, in our souls and our, in our minds as we think about who God is and what does it mean to be a part of this church. So you're jumping in at a good time. If you're new, if this is your first time, I want to welcome you here and I want to make sure that you feel welcomed. I was thinking about this text and this sermon from Hebrews chapter 10. You can turn there. Um, if you don't have your uh, Bible, physical Bible, you can go on the Version app. It's in your app store. It's free. And we use the English Standard Version. You can follow along with us this morning from Hebrews chapter 10. I was thinking about this um, recently that, you know, our, our kids don't often get uh, Hershey's chocolate syrup at home. They don't, they don't get it. They don't get it to make chocolate milk, you know. And you might feel like they're deprived. Trust me, they're not. They get other candy. It's okay. Um, but, you know, it's the, it's the Hershey's chocolate syrup season for, in our family. We, we recently got in some of that at the house. Hot chocolate's the same way. And they all kind of have something, in my mind, similar. They, they need to be stirred up for them to function properly. Like, there's something about uh, Hershey's chocolate syrup making chocolate milk that you can see it in a clear glass. One of our kids the other day was stirring it up and they went to drink and I was like, whoa, hang on for a second. There is a ton of chocolate at the bottom of that. You are missing out on so much. Let me help you for a second. So you go up and you stir it up and make sure it's all stirred in there. Same with hot chocolate. You ever get to the end of hot chocolate and you look at it and it's just this disappointment of all the chocolate I just wasted. Like I could have had more. Like there's something here at the bottom. I could have had more and I wasted it because I didn't stir it up. I need to just continue to keep stirring it up because there's things in there that if we don't stir it up, we'll settle to the bottom. And we don't want to have things settling to the bottom, especially the goodness of chocolate milk and hot chocolate. It needs to be stirred up. We have to have something in here that we don't want it to settle. And church, we can be a Christian disciple of Jesus. And if we're not often stirring up faith, stirring up uh, understanding who God is, stirring up encouragement, if we're not constantly stirring up discipleship in our hearts, we will wind up beginning to have parts of us in our discipleship as disciples that begin to settle. They just begin to, uh, we forget to, to what it's like to think about this as a disciple. And if you're like me, I, I think 
Um, there's been a part of me over the last two years of this strange COVID existence that has settled. There's, there's parts of me in this, as, disciple, as a disciple of Jesus, as a member of the church, that has settled and it just become, there's things that kind of have overshadowed parts of me. As because, listen, we couldn't meet for how long? I mean, months. And, and I think we're still trying to just get back to normalcy. And it's really hard, especially when we have this new, you know, we constantly hear, oh, there's another new um, strand of, of this virus. And then there's a, oh, there's something else. And then school boards meet. And I just, well, my mind just goes to, please, no more shutting things. Like, I can't take another Shut down. You know, we're talking about church life and who we are together. I want to be together with you. And there's parts of it that parts of us I think that have settled and we need to be intentional about stirring them up so they don't just settle to the bottom, but that we can partake of things uh, wholly and fully and make sure we get, there's no chocolate at the bottom of that glass at the end of the day. We don't want to get to the end of it and go, well, what did we miss? We want to be those that actually experience the fullness of it with stirred faith, stirred hearts, stirred souls, stirred togetherness as we go uh, in this life and as we continue to progress into 2022. We want to make sure we get it all. And so today I want to talk about that from Hebrews chapter 10. Our big idea this morning is a stirred faith leads to a stirred togetherness. A stirred faith leads to stirred togetherness. And I think what we're going to see here in this text is that that's counterintuitive. It actually, from the, the thrust of the text that we're going to go from in Hebrews chapter 10, it, this, the point here, the big idea actually doesn't seem to fit. It, it would seem like it's out a little out of place. Listen, it is not out of place. And we want to make sure we understand this. I want us to have a conviction for togetherness, not just a togetherness. It's like, yeah. I mean, why, if it works, like if we can kind of be together sometimes, no, the Bible gives us a conviction to say the church should be together. And we want to make sure we're together, together. And the question I want to ask is, what is the outcome of togetherness? Why does it matter? What's at stake if we aren't? Because, because we can drift into, look, there's things we missed in this whole season of COVID where we weren't together that we don't even, I don't think we understand. But we want to make sure that we, we get it and we grasp it. So I'm going to read uh, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to begin in verse 19. And I'm going to stop us a number of times as we read, because I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Listen, the, if you haven't been around the Bible much, if you haven't read the letter to the Hebrews, which we don't know who wrote it, um, there's a lot of speculation who wrote it. Um, some people say it's Paul, some people say it's Apollos, some people say it's Barnabas or Silas or one of the women. We don't, they don't name themselves. We don't know. Um, so we, we, we can't say, I'm just going to keep referring to as the writer to the Hebrews. Um, but as we go through it, I want to make sure you understand where we're at. Hebrews is a thicker uh, epistle. It's a thicker letter because he's drawing on a ton of Old Testament reference. And our text this morning is absolutely no different. And so I'm going to, as we read through, I'm actually going to stop a number of times to make sure we are all on the same page. Because there is a thrust of his point that he's trying to make that if we miss, we will not get the big idea this morning. We won't understand it. You see right at the very beginning of our text in verse 19, he says, therefore, therefore, any, you know, the old preacher, the 
I don't know, it's, it's kind of lame, but it works, I guess. The old preacher thing to say is when you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? And you want to answer that question because it matters. And the therefore is, is there because he is, he is drawing upon what he just said, which what he's referencing here before this, before we even start our text, what he's referencing is that Jesus is the greater high priest than any high priest that ever existed in the temple in Jerusalem. There is no greater high priest than Jesus. The, the, the high priest in the temple would have to go in regularly to make atonement for sins. They have to sacrifice bulls and goats and, and sheep and birds. They're constantly shedding the blood to atone for the sins of the people because the sins would pile up. And the more the sins would pile up, the high priest would have to go back and take a new animal and sacrifice it on the altar in the temple. And they'd have to continually do it. It was a, it was a regular thing that had to happen. And his point is, such is the high priestly nature of Jesus that his sacrifice on the cross and his shed blood was once for all. No other sacrifice needed. It doesn't have to happen anymore. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his death, his blood shed was so significant and so effectual that it will forever, for all time, it will function to atone for the sins of his people. Not only the sins that came after, but all the sins that were before. So every, every sin that was atoned for by every high priest before, what didn't work. It didn't work. Every single high priest that atoned for sins before, it didn't work. It actually just put a, a placeholder there until Jesus could actually atone for sins. And so he's saying this, this high priestly nature of Jesus is so far superior that we have to understand what that means if we're going to understand this text. Therefore, because Jesus is the great high priest, and listen, people back in the day, they could not go into the Holy of Holies. They could not enter through the curtain, massive curtain that separated the people from God's presence. They couldn't go into that. Occasionally a high priest would go in there, but even in the, even in the, the inner inner courts, you couldn't go into that section because of your sinfulness. You could actually, if you were to walk in there, even a high priest would go in there a little bit with trepidation because what if, what if I am not cleansed in my heart? God can't abide by unholiness. And so there was this weirdness of like, I don't, if I'm a high priest, I got to cleanse myself. And I, then I got to go into the temple. I'm just praying that, that God would, would be okay with me coming in there. Trepidation. And so he says, therefore, with all of that in mind, look, that's, that is a Reader's Digest version of a lot of stuff. All right. I hope that that made sense. If therefore... Chapter uh, 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters, when you see brothers in the New Testament, it means, means everyone, brothers, guys. Here, here we go. Therefore, since, now I want you to hold on to the word since, because every time you see since, what's coming is, you know, since this, then this. All right? And he says it twice. He says since twice. Since this is true, what, what next? Let us, he's going to say. Since, let us. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Remember, people could not go in there. But we have confidence, since he is a better high priest, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh on the cross, his broken flesh on the cross. And since we 
since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that's us over the church. Since we have a great high priest, not over the temple or Jerusalem, but over the church, over Anchor Church, 2022 in Gilbert. Since we have a great high priest, listen, he is trying Paul. I mean, not Paul. I'm an Ephesians, but when I say Paul, the writer of the Hebrews is almost like he's taking a bulldozer and he's just trying to get as much force behind what he's saying as possible. He wants us to take the lettuces, to, to let us, since let us, he wants it to land on us. He, he's trying to like take this bulldozer of, of information and of some sort of conviction to understand the weight of Jesus working for us. Since we have confidence, since we have confidence to enter, since we have a high priest over the house of God, since he is our high priest, the greatest high priest, since all of this is true, he says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's the first let us. We have a second one. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And third, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This weight of, of information, this weight of Jesus high priestliness and the blood of Christ and what it's done for us and what it's accomplished that we can come with confidence before the throne of God. That is unthinkable, is it not? What sins did you commit this week? And yet you can come with confidence with confidence before the throne that we, we have a, a great high priest. Listen, I am not your leader. Call me lead pastor. I like it. It's fine. But I, ultimately, what I am is an emissary. I'm a missionary. I'm somebody that comes in and says, look, I'm just here on behalf of the great high priest. I am a shepherd, pastor word, under the chief shepherd. That's why I exist. I, I don't, I can't save you from your sins. I can tell you about it. I hope you get it. I hope some of you find salvation that don't know Jesus. But I can't do all that. We have a great high priest who has shed his blood so that we can have confidence to enter into the presence of the living God. This is who he is. And so this is how we need to think about this, this whole weight of information. And he gives us these three let us points because Jesus has done so much for us because Jesus has worked in us in incredible ways. Then let us do three things. Let us come to him confidently in verse 22. I don't have it on the screen, but you can write that down. Let us come to him confidently, draw near in full assurance it says, let us draw near with this, with this heart, this full assurance of faith. We come into the presence of God, not like the, the saints of old with the old high priests who couldn't even come close to being in the Holy of Holies. Moses went into the tabernacle. Nobody else would go in there. 
Nobody else can approach the mountain if you know your Old, your old Testament and Exodus. Nobody even wanted to go there. There's lightning and thunder and they were frightened by it. We don't have to be frightened by it. Because we can enter through the blood of Jesus, which is, he's, he's opened it up through his death on the cross and his resurrection. We get to come with confidence. Like we don't have to shrink back. I remember when I was in high school, and I was a high school pastor, and there was a, 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 a parent. I didn't know who this parent was, but this parent came to my dad and said, um, hey, your son was bullying my son. I, I came upon him. He was he was bullying him, and I, just, I would like you to talk with him. And now, I, I didn't do that. I, it wasn't me. What had happened was is that the, he came upon his son and this kid, and he asked the kid, what's your name? And he said it was me. And so, and so I walk into my dad's office with an accuser, and I walk in with my dad, and he says, um, this man said that you were bullying your son. I said, I didn't do that confidence. I've, I didn't do anything. I was innocent. I had did nothing. I had nothing to, I was not fearful. I was not uh, in trepidation. I was fully confident walking in there going, look, I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. I'm not guilty. We come in to the presence of the living God saying, I have nothing to fear. I'm innocent. Christian, I'm innocent. You know why? Not because you're actually innocent. I mean, you think about your week and you go, yeah, but man, the things I thought, the things I said, how I treated somebody, there's, I mean, I'm not holy. We look at that Christian, we say, I'm not holy. And we have this wrestling, but we come in because of the blood of Jesus, which we see cleanses us in verse 22, right? He's, he's, uh, we see this in verse, uh, yeah, he says, uh, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, which is the blood of Christ, we get to come in. And even though we know in our hearts, like I, my, my um, week was filled with sinfulness, we come in and say, yeah, but I claim the blood of Christ. And so I walk into the office, if you will, of the living God. And I say, I'm innocent. I'm coming to this office. I'm not fearful of you. You know why? Because you have worked for me. I'm claiming the blood of the son. The blood of Jesus is mine. All of this weight of this high priest of Christ, he's done this work. And so therefore I get to come and I get to sit in the presence of God, not in trepidation, but confidently. This is your lot, Christian. Listen, I think some of us, we don't, we don't actually, to use a, a word, that is, I hope you know what I mean by this. We don't use this well. We don't use the gospel for our own benefit, Christian. We, we, we sometimes think of God as the one who's going to squash us if we just get out of line. Somehow he's just the principal. We're, you know, waiting. Some of you, if I were to talk to you about your high school careers and how many times you're in the principal, it'd be embarrassing. But we, it's like the principal who's ready at any time just to give us a hard time. And he's not because we have the blood of the high priest working for us. <laughs> good news. I mean, this is good news. This is the gospel. This is great news for us. So because he is who he is, it says, let us come to him confidently. And in verse 23, let us also, I'm going to say it this way, live in the world looking up 
live in the world looking up, not looking out or around, but we look up. In verse 23, he says, let us hold fast the the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. We hold fast hope. Hope does not exist primarily in the temporal world here. Hope is not just existent in my circumstance. Hope is not existent in what someone tells me. Hope is not existent in confusion and pandemics. Hope exists outside of this world. Hope exists in a future hope. We have a future hope. He rests in heaven. His work is finished. It is complete. And we get to sit here in this world living for his glory, but our hope is outside of this world. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what this world has for us because we know we have a future inheritance that exists with the risen Christ and there he is the great high priest who will never fail us. So my hope is not here, it's there. And if I look up, if I'm just constantly living here and I'm looking up and saying, look, my life might stink right now. And you might look and you'd be like, yeah, I amen to that. My life stinks, right? You're looking at that. Everything around me stinks. And look, there, there's, we deal with that here. All right. I'm not trying to make a lot of that. We deal with that here. We, we have to have moments where we deal with that in fellowship and community with counseling, with other things. You know, we, as we go through this life, we deal with things. This is a hard world to live in. But if I allow my hope to be determined by my circumstances, then man, that's a wavering hope. And he says, no, no, hope's not wavering. Because the one who promised is faithful. And if the one who promised is faithful, then I know But in any circumstance, no matter what it is, I can trust and cling to the promises of the faithful one. And ultimately, I have an inheritance that is going to bring me joy that is far surpassing anything here. Paul talks about his light, momentary affliction in 2 Corinthians. This suffering of this world is light, momentary. You might think of it to yourself, my suffering is not light or momentary. You might think my suffering is deep and long lasting. And you know what it it, it is because we live in world in this world for years, maybe 70, 80 years, 90 years. But that with a measure against eternity is light and momentary. You know what Paul's doing when he says light momentary, he's looking up. (laughs) He's not looking here. He's looking up. Look, this is an unbreakable hope, if you will. We say this hope is unbreakable in us. We have hope in Christ that is unbreakable church. Tiffany recently was, was in California. She was uh, with a friend. They were driving on, I think on highway one, or they were going somewhere. And she accidentally left her, her phone on the roof of the car. And, um, the, the phone, um, the phone case, was unbreakable, they said. Now, 50 miles an hour flying off the road, you know, she got, they said they heard something and they didn't think anything of it. And two minutes later, she tried to find her phone and it dawned on her, oh no. And so she turns around, they go find it. She, you know, uses her Apple watch and dings it and they find it on the side of the road. It was, it was in the middle of the night. It was dark and they found it. And guess what? 
unbreakable. The thing worked. Thing worked. I mean, like that's, that's a big deal. Such is the hope we have in Jesus. Unbreakable. Unbreakable church. We have hope in Christ. We have hope and our hope is unbreakable. We want to look up. And then you know what? The final one seems to just come absolutely out of nowhere. Because what we would think he would say is, and let us hold fast to the resurrection in our sufferings. Because we know, you know, let us hold fast to the goodness and grace of the Lord Jesus. Let us, there's something that seems like it'd be more weighty than what he says. Because listen, again, bulldozer full of weightiness that comes in. We've already talked about confidence in Jesus and coming into his presence and the hope that we have that's unbreakable. And then he says, which seems to really, it does seem to come out of absolutely nowhere. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Doesn't that seem like it's a little bit less important? I mean, it seems like that's less important than confidence to enter in the presence of God, than hope that's unwavering and looking up and then one another. It just seems like it's a little bit of like a, is that two B? Like, do we have one let us, two let us is, and oh yeah, I forgot, two B? You know, this is like, this isn't as big, as big of a deal as the other two. But he knows what he's saying. This reality of the church gathered, the church encouraging, the church one anothering, the church being together is functionally in line with what he's saying because the high priest is the high priest over the people. The church is not the building, the church is the people. And we gather together because our faith has been stirred up in our high priest who has saved all of us in our own differences and our own politics and our own sports preferences and our own whatever it is. We have all these things and God's brought us all together under one high priest. And as we gather together, we, our faith has been stirred so that we can then worship him. That's what we do this morning. We sang songs together in worship of him because we have a common high priest. And we gather together because of it. We come together with the weightiness of the high priest who has worked on our behalf to save us from our sins, to bring us into his presence. We've, we've come before him then as a people to be together. And we want to consider then how to stir one another up to love and good works. And apparently, back in this time period, like there was a lot of suffering going on here. People, uh, the, the church was being persecuted. And so there was a lot of Christians that were starting to maybe waver on their desire to be seen together. And the writer here to the Hebrews says, I know some of you have neglected the gathering. You've taken time off. Maybe you go sometimes, not all the time. Maybe you don't gathered together. Maybe you've stopped meeting on, you know, in your small groups or whatever it is. Maybe you've just stopped doing that because there's a fear of what is going to happen if somebody finds out. And so you've stopped doing that. And he's saying, do not neglect the gathering. As is the habit of some of you, stop not meeting to be a double negative. Stop not meeting. 
Meet, gather, be together regularly. Don't neglect it. It's important. And we say, why? What is important about togetherness? It is Sunday morning. It is community group. It is other things that we're going to do. Men's ministry, women's ministry. It's togetherness. Why is that important? What happens if we don't? What's at stake if we don't? Here's what it is. We said that stirred faith leads to togetherness. You could say it this way, that faith in Jesus, constantly stirred faith in Jesus leads to togetherness and encouragement as we encourage one another and seek to stir that up. And because that's true, so is this. Togetherness, as we gather together, as we seek to stir one another up to love and good deeds, encouraging one another, as we do that, as we are together, church, that leads to encouragement and stirred faith. My stirred faith in Jesus, which should cause me to go, I want to be with the people, then turns back around and says, and because I'm together, it's going to stir my faith. And because my faith is stirred, I want to be with the people. And because I'm with the people, my faith is stirred. This is, this is the cycle that this writer to the Hebrews is saying, I have a stirred faith, so I want to be with the church. And because I'm with the church and because I'm finding discipleship and meeting with people, man, my faith is stirred. Do you ever get to a spot where you go to a community group or you're with people that are talking about the Lord and you just walk away going, man, my faith is stirred. I want to, I want to be, I want to get in my Bible. I want to know Jesus like they do. The author here is saying, because you have a great high priest, since he has worked on your behalf to bring you into the presence of God, to save you, to bring you to the spot where you don't have to be fearful coming before him, because all of this is true, then you, as a saved people, be together. Encourage each other. Don't neglect the gathering. Be here. Be together. And look, we, we come out of a COVID season where we could not be together. We could not be together. I'm not going to lie. The first couple of weeks, I was like, because it's hard to set all this up every week. It just is. Like, it's hard. You know, it's like, oh, this is kind of nice. And about a, a two months in, I'm like, can we please meet together again? Because it is hard to not be with the church. But I fear that some, I think, especially in American Christianity, I don't know about the rest of the world, but we've gotten so used to just maybe not meeting for a season that it's easy to take Sundays off. And neglect the gathering. And I would just say, we, we have to obey the scriptures and say, look, they were being persecuted, threat of death if they showed up. And the author here is saying, yeah, don't neglect the gathering. Be with the church because it stirs your faith. And when you're with the church, it shows that, hey, I trust in Jesus, my king. Not the emperor, but in Jesus, the king. And we say, as we look at this, we're like, look, we, we want to we wanna be careful with COVID. I get that. And we, we made it through the part of the pandemic where there was, we didn't know what to do and all this kind of stuff was going on. Fortunately, we have ways we can get around it or we can, if you want to get a vaccine, you can. If you don't, that's fine. You don't have to get that either. But we're at this spot where it's like, well, okay, I think we've, we, we, we can live and we can exist in such a way that's safe. And so I would just say, don't neglect the gathering. Don't neglect the gathering as we go forward. We want to make sure we understand this. Look, love, good works, encouragement, all of this. And as I said, we're going to have some thoughts about formal church membership. What does it mean to just be a part of Anchor? How do we as pastors know who we're supposed to pastor? 
It's one of the questions. Who is it that's here with us? You know, some of that church, like formal church membership exists for that. I'm just talking about what does it mean to be a part of us here? And I have two ways we can live this out. The first is, sim- is really simple. It's just to jump all in. I mean, that's the series title, All In. I'm going to have some t-shirts for you to wear, some new shirts. It's like our new Anchor Church shirts. I like new Anchor Church shirts. They're coming. They say All In on the front. We want to be all in, church. All in. Jump all in. Like I, like I said last week, and Jessica mentioned again this morning, we have women's ministry stuff starting. We have men's starting that hopefully is going to launch more just, uh, you know, depth of discipleship. We're trying to, we're trying to figure out how we can uh, grow us deeper and sink our roots into the soil of Jesus. And so that's what we're trying to do with, with men's and women's ministry. We have opportunities overseas to go serve um, in um, I can't remember the country that Developing Workers is going to, but they're going uh, to Africa this year and a number of other places that are, have opportunities for you to perhaps be a part of that, raise some money for that, and you can be a part of one of those um, places. You know, we're, we're doing a number of different things around the city. We're trying to figure out how we can continue to go forward together. I know um, we've talked with Laura Christensen. I think she's agreed with this. Laura, if you have not, I'm so sorry. Um, but about trying to figure out how we can do things regularly that are more adventure-based. If you're a hiker, if you like to do kind of that stuff, how can we do that together? What can we do together? Because I want to make sure we're a church that's together. Look, one of our values is passionately one. And one of the things I want to say about that is that what we do, we do together. What we do, we do together. Let's do it together as we go forward. But jump all in. There's, there, is, there is plenty of opportunities for you to jump in. You know, you come in and worship, you find joy through serving together. You find life in groups. If you're not in a community group, maybe that's something that you should consider, which leads me to my second point. I'm going to have Julie come on up now as the band comes on up to, to close. But my second point is this, ask a question. Where am I neglecting togetherness? Where are you neglecting togetherness? To find faith stirred to stir your faith, to see Jesus, the high priest, become more alive to you. Do you want to see Jesus more alive? Are we playing church? Are we playing Christianity? Are we playing discipleship? Or are we the church? Are we disciples? Are we Christians? Are we pretending that we're adopted by the living God of the universe? Or are we adopted sons and daughters? We want to make sure that we're walking that out and we want a faith stirred to be able to help us walk forward in it. Church, I, I am eager for all of us to find togetherness a value, a conviction. I didn't give you that third, that third um, line, I don't think, but I said that it was for that third se- uh, section, verse 24. Be together convictionally. Be together convictionally. Not part-time, not sometimes, but if you are a part of Anchor Church, be together convictionally. Because we want to be a church that is moving. Moving, running, growing. And when I say growing, I don't simply mean numerically, although that would be nice. It would help us to... um, get a building and not have to deal with some of the things we dealt with this morning on church plants, great. But that's not the only growth that matters. Actually, that's not the growth that matters. The growth that matters is depth of discipleship. 
We will grow deep before we grow wide. And we want to make sure we are growing deep in the soil of the goodness of Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Like, if you haven't read the letter to the Hebrews, oh man. Like, we could have spent seven sermons on those texts. It is rich. You want to know Jesus? You want to see how he's better? Read the book. Read this letter. But listen, I want to make sure that we grow as church members. What does it mean to be together? Amen? Are we committed in 2022 to be all in together? Say amen if you agree. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, our hope this morning is unwavering. It's unbreakable. We, we just uh, saw that. We just uh, read that. Our, our confidence to enter is because we have a high priest. May it also bring about this reality that we want to be together encouraging one another and being encouraged, being stirred up, not leaving anything at the bottom of the, of the glass, if you will. That we look at and we say, oh man, I, I wish that I had experienced all of this. May you stir us up, Lord. Stir us up by your spirit to walk with you, to, to walk as disciples, to walk together as we gather. Lord, we ask that we would experience this year in 2022 as we are together. We would experience a new life in Christ through people that come into this room. Would you, would you do a work and save people from their sins in our midst that we might be able to see it and rejoice in it as we think about baptism in a couple weeks. Do it, Lord. Do it in us. Jesus, our, our hope and our confidence is fully planted on you. And, and if there's any parts of us that aren't, Lord, I pray that you would fix that in us. Lord, move in us that way for your name, for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? We're going to sing. We're going to take communion after this song. So if you have... I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.